Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue our series Beyond Sunday. And this week gets a little ugly as we get into Galatians 5 and the works of the flesh. We talk about walking in the Spirit, but this week's focus was kind of when we don't walk in the Spirit, it's because we're walking in the flesh and this is what's about to come. So, Without further ado, here is this week's Adult Bible Study. Let's take our Bibles and we'll go to Galatians chapter 5, the verse we ended at last week, and I said we will get to this week. I also said to you at some point that uh, we are going to be done tilling up the ground and we're going to get to planting the fruit. Well, we're going to till a little bit more today, all right? It's not that... um, I, I, was, I told my wife she was gone running around with ladies to, this week at ladies retreat and she was coming back and I said I'm just not settled yet on my lesson because I, I know where I want to get to in my lesson but I, I kept feeling like it's hard to explain but when you're studying it was like every time I get to the part that I wanted to get to it was like there was no peace about it it was like there was it's, it was almost as if God was saying hey you're not going to get there this week you're not going to get to that part and so um I decided it was probably a pretty good lesson since I'm teaching on listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I'd probably better listen, all right? So um, we're going to be in Galatians 5, though. We are going to start where we were going to start, and uh, and I think that that it's important. We talked last week about the Holy Spirit and the key of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in the after class, if you listen to the podcast, I spoke more on this, but I talked about how the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will prompt us. He'll prompt us maybe to confess sin, or he'll prompt us to go witness to that person. He'll prompt us to encourage, and our response ought to be obedience. And that's part of communion with the Holy Spirit. And, and throughout this study, I'm not t- today going to go back to all of it. I'm saying it briefly, but we've been on a journey of faith called sanctification. And the goal has been to be like more like Jesus Christ. We've seen how it's not about our own strength to get there. It's the Holy Spirit. We're in this part here called sanctification, which really today, this week we had our revival meetings. And you'll, you may notice if you're like wired like I am, um, you'll notice there's been a difference. I will, every time I talk about it, I will say revival meetings, revival meetings. If you're, I don't ever say the revival because you can't schedule revival. It's always a revival meeting. You hope to see revival. And I hope that you saw revival in your life. It's just one of those little pet peeves of mine. You know, some people get, I don't say anytime I, I kid, if dad's listening to this later, I kid, every time he says Psalms 100 or Psalms, I'm like, no, it's Psalm 100. It's just one of those little pet peeves we have in life. Like Ryan, I don't think likes when you're chewing gum. I don't think, my brother absolutely hates if you're chewing gum beside him. I don't care if you chew gum, but if you say Psalms 100, it goes through me. Or if you say revival meetings or revival instead of revival meetings, I'm like, no, we don't know that revival is going to happen. We want it to. And we're praying for that, but that's just me being goofy. But, but the truths that we're talking about are actually revival truths. It's sanctification. It's growing in our faith. It is actually when we apply the things that we are saying and talking about, you do see revival. And you don't have to schedule it for one week of the year. It can happen any time. And so it's understanding this journey of faith. It's understanding our enemies, the Satan, the world, and the flesh, it's understanding we have to humble ourselves and claim our new position in Jesus Christ, which is victorious, not just at death and at salvation, but right now in sanctification. I'm li- I, we, I can live in victory today, and I've got a desire to know God and get in and meditate and study His Word 
And then I got to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and obey. When, when I grieve Him in sin, I need to confess it and get it right immediately. And when He t- prompts me to do something, I need to say yes and not no. Because when I say no, what do I do? See anybody know? I don't grieve Him necessarily. I do. But what do I do? I quench Him. Quench Him. So when He prompts me, He's been with, I said this line in the podcast, if you listen to the after class, I said this, when he prompts, he will always empower. So if he says, go do this, whatever it is, in my inner man, when he prompts me to do it, he will always empower me. It's not like he tells you to do something that you don't know what to do. Like when I first started my job at the bank, I mean, I was a pastor for years. I don't know anything about banking. If they just said, hey, go work this loan for somebody, I would have been like, hey, you just got it for free. I have no idea what I'm doing. Go take our money. Take everything you want. I have no idea. So with the prompting, you have to empower, and the Holy Spirit always does. But when we say no, we quench him. But then we left off last week in Galatians 5, verse 16, I think, one of the greatest verses for sanctification there is in the whole Bible. If you get this verse right here, you get sanctification. A couple, I should have put them in our notes. I didn't write them down even in my notes, but there were some great men of the past who made comments similar to that about this verse, verse 16. It says, this verse right here encompasses everything you need to know about the Christian life when you live it. Here it is, here's what it says. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right there. Whole series, 10 weeks of series that we're studying is fulfilled in one verse right there. Walk in the flesh, or excuse me, walk in the spirit. I'm going to get back to that comment. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's why my mind went there. Because for the longest time, I still remember I was already a pastor. I was already kind of, um, it was back in 2008 or so, right after my, my son died. And my view of sanctification, though I would say all the things that I'm saying now, but my actions and my mindset was still that you got to really work hard through this sanctification to really see any growth. And I remember it was Chris Chavez. I had just met him shortly there before. And Chris Chavez made this comment, and it, it changed my way of thinking on this verse. He said, so often we think of this sanctification, this growing in our faith, as, and we flip this verse. And that's what I had done in my mind. We think, it says, if we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, then we walk in the Spirit. That's the opposite of what this verse says, but that's how many, many Christians live their Christian life. If I just don't do this, then I can walk in the Spirit. No, hey, walk in the Spirit, and you won't even want to do that. That's the verse. But our lives pattern more the other. If I can just stop doing this in my own strength, then I can finally walk in the Spirit. No, that is, not, that is not walking in the Spirit. And so I want to start with two huge questions. I want to start with two huge questions here to get this series, to get this lesson going today. And I want you to think through these. That I, I may have put them in your notes, but just think through them for a second. If God were to withdraw His Holy Spirit from you, from me, would you even notice a difference in your life? It's a rhetorical question. Don't answer, but just think. If he were to take the Holy Spirit from your life, would you even notice a difference? And then the second one, to get to a little bit more specific, he says, would my week have gone any differently if the Spirit had pulled out? Think about your week. Did you do anything? Would your week be any different 
the Spirit was there? Did you confess sin? Did you feel guilty over sin? Did you even confess any sin? Did it even bother you? Did, did you do anything for God that you had to depend on Him that was taking you out of your comfort zone? Would you even notice if the Holy Spirit was gone? Those are two huge questions. I want to ask them again at the end of the lesson. So bring me back there if I forget. At the end of the lesson, I want us to think through that again. But what is walking in the Spirit? Let's start there. Because he tells us if we will walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what we're getting after. We don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, so we have to walk in the Spirit. Well, what is it? Well, walking in the Spirit means to depend upon Him consciously for everything that we do. That is walking in the Spirit. So we depend on Him to resist temptation. I'm tempted to do something. I need to be depending on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need him to, for insight in the Word of God. So you open the Bible in the morning to read it, or the afternoon or evening. You're saying, God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, Psalm 119. Saying, God, I need you. That's walking in the Spirit. You're, you're, you're relying on him to have the right attitude in the middle of your trials. You're relying on him to give you wisdom when you have a difficult decision to make for your family. That is walking in the Spirit. It's, it's everyday dependence. Ev no, not every day. Every moment dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Multiple times throughout the day, you're needing him and you're thinking about him. You're, you're listening to his promptings. His promptings are not in an audible voice. But the closer you get to God, the more you know. Just like the closer you get to your wife, husbands, you know when she's in a bad mood, right? You can tell. None of you, all you guys are like, I don't have a clue. Or maybe your wife don't ever get in a bad mood, okay? So let's switch it. Ladies, you know when your husband's in a bad mood. You can tell when he's irritated. My wife could tell this morning when that dog was on there taking all my covers and I was huffing and puffing. She could tell I was irritated and very tempted, probably yielded to the flesh because of the crazy dog. You, you just know it. Why? Because the closer you are to someone, the more you know, ooh, they're frustrated. Well, get, the closer you are to God, the more sensitive you are to his promptings in your life. And so walking is depending upon him all the time. Someone else said this, walking, number one, indicates that you're going somewhere. We say walking in the spirit, it indicates, or we just talk about walking today, it indicates that you are going somewhere. There's a destination in mind. And the will of God is, is what we're after. When we're walking in the Spirit, we're after God's will. We want to glorify God. And so we're walking in the Spirit, not to fulfill our own lusts, but to fulfill God's plan. So I'm dependent upon Him no matter what, because I'm, uh, there's a destination here. I'm walking in the Spirit. But walking also implies dependence, because when you walk, you're, you're putting all your weight on one leg. You think about that. If We just take walking for granted right now. As if you've watched kids grow, they, they learn to walk, but we just take it for granted. When I'm walking, I'm really just assuming as I pace here that my legs are going to hold me up. If they didn't, it would be really funny for you guys and really weird for me. I've been whining and complaining for months about my shoulder, and I'm going to whine and complain right now about it for a second. But you just assume your arms are going to do things. And my rotator cuff absolutely kills me right now at this moment when I try to move it. But I just assume that it's going to work just like it always has. And so I will, like even today in the shower, I'll reach out to grab something. I'm like, ah, and I have to move it like this. But it's, it, you just assume it's going to work. Well, when we walk, we just put all of our dependence upon our legs. We just assume they're going to hold us up. Well, walking in the Spirit is I'm placing all of my dependence upon God. I'm relying and depending on His power, not my own power, to take the next step of faith. And walking is also a continual activity. It's not just one step. 
You ever hear someone, heard someone in church? I never thought about it until setting this week, and now maybe to be my third pet peeve in church, all right? No, hopefully not. But sometimes people will say, I, I just want to take that step of faith. I'll hear that phrase. It's a good phrase. But a lot of times people only take one step. So they'll take their step of faith, and they celebrate it, and that's it. Well, that's not walking in the Spirit. If your kid takes one step and you want to come and say, hey, my kid come to church. We all like to brag about our kids. My kid's walking and we see one step. I'm going to say, hey, your kid's not walking. He's a good one-stepper. That's it. That's all he's got. He's not walking yet. Come back and see me when he's taking multiple steps. I'm joking. I wouldn't be that harsh. I'd be like, oh, great. It's so wonderful, you know, but he's not really walking. But walking is multiple steps. Walking in the Spirit is not just taking one step of faith and and settling right there. That may be a great start, but it's repeated steps every single day dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I already told you the common approach to walking in the Spirit. I got ahead of myself, but our common approach is this. Well, if I just stop with the flesh, then I get the privilege of walking in the Spirit. The walking in the Spirit is a privilege you already have because you're a Christian. And when you truly live that out you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, but let's get to the daily battle because verse 17 is a verse that you've heard before and this is the daily struggle. This is the verse that led to our series. Why do we talk about beyond Sunday? Because when Sunday when you're around other Christians that are encouraging you, it's easy to want to do whatever what you're hearing. But on Monday, people at work don't wait for you to show up with their Bible saying, hey, let's talk Bible. This is amazing, unless you're a pastor, maybe. They don't do that. And so you've got to, you, there's going to be a daily battle every single day. And verse 17 shows us that battle. It says, for the flesh lusteth. I always have to say this. That's an old English word. It means it's at war. So the, for the flesh is at war against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. I'll get to that last phrase in a minute. So every day there's a battle. You wake up. I woke up this morning with the dog on my covers, taking all my covers. There was a battle. All right. There was, a, there was the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh said, and I kind of agreed with him, that dog needs to get off my covers. And I kind of agreed with him, this, the flesh, this morning. And, and so, but, the, but we, we, every day, every moment, we have to make that choice. There's a battle. Now. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a a crazy question first. I don't know anything about boxing anymore. But in his prime, Mike Tyson was a pretty good boxer, right? In my prime, I was an all right athlete. Okay? So in Mike Tyson's prime versus Brad McClure's prime boxing, who are you guys taking? What's your problem, man? I mean, in my prime, I was small town, all right, all right. I got my picture up on the school. That's not bad. Mike Tyson, let me give you one more chance. Mike Tyson in his prime versus Brad McClure in his prime. Who are you taking? Mike. All right. Mike, me too, all right? 100% of the time, I'm taking Mike Tyson. Why? Mike Tyson's just better. Okay, let me ask you this. The flesh, this is a rhetorical question. Just think about it. The flesh in its prime versus the Holy Spirit who's divine. I didn't mean to do that, but it worked good there, didn't it? So the flesh in his prime versus the Holy Spirit. I got to say it again. Who's divine? Who's going to win? The the Holy Spirit every single time. So this verse, it says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. All right, good luck. It's like saying, but Brad fights against Mike Tyson. All right, good luck, Brad. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit. So why does the flesh win so much in Brad's life when the dog's on his covers at 7 in the morning? Or why does the flesh win so much in your life on Monday through Saturday as well? Why? Because it's who we yield to. It's who we yield to. God, God allows us a choice. Victory's already won. All we have to do is choose the spirit. Flesh is going to be just obliterated like me with Mike Tyson. It's going to be absolutely obliterated. But if we choose the flesh, he doesn't win over the spirit in that sense, but the spirit does not overrule. And so that's why so often we struggle Monday through Saturday, maybe even Sundays, but we struggle because there's a battle that's going on. And notice what he says here, the last part, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's a battle going on. And so you may say here on Sunday and say, you know what? I want to do this. I, I want to pray and I want to read the Bible. And for how many times I've thought I want to be a better prayer warrior growing up. And many times I thought I want to spend this much time reading, studying this. Or I want It sounds so great in the moment. We're coming off revival meetings. My favorite week of the year is revival meetings. Always has been since I was a little kid. I, I love it. I, some, for some people, missions conferences is their favorite time. That's wonderful. Mine is revival meetings. If it's a revival meeting, it's my favorite time. I love evangelists. I love the, the theme. these themes that I'm teaching. My favorite themes because they're revival principles. And that's what they teach during revival meetings. Think about the last messages that we heard. But I love these themes. My favorite week. So it's a high moment. But when it's done, we've got to actually do it. It's not like the flesh says, wow, I heard that preaching last week. Hey, I just bow out. You know what? Spirit, you take over. There's no war. No, every day there's a battle. Every day. Now look at verse, he says, so that, that's why you can't do the things you would. You may go and say, I want to leave here and I want to spend better, more time in prayer. And you get up Monday and you forget to pray. Why? Because there's a battle. It's It's difficult. And so he goes on, he says, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. What was he talking about the law? Well, he's been talking to the Galatians who are very, very legalistic and, and they're, they're looking at the law as something that, that's going to bring them this sanctification, to bring them everything they wanted. And I'm not against putting standards and laws in your life, but those are not going to bring about spiritual. Hey, because I'm wearing a suit doesn't make me spiritual. Can I put it that way? I'm wearing a suit. Ryan's wearing a flower. Okay, I'm not more spiritual than Ryan. Ryan's my friend, so I can get my. I'm not more spiritual than Ryan because I have this. This doesn't guarantee I could be absolutely in my flesh right now, and he could be absolutely in the spirit, and his flower is better off than my suit. You see what I'm saying? And so it doesn't matter. So often we put the now. I, I'm okay with. Um, with standards in people's lives, and I'm, I'm okay with all that, and I think you need to have some to protect yourself, but it's simply there to protect you from what we're going to get to in a second. It doesn't make us necessarily better than anyone else. It's protecting us from sin in some areas, some, some different standards. And so we have to make sure that, that we are led by the Spirit and not by these, these laws that we, we can establish. But then he's going to say this, and I don't remember where I'm at in my notes. I, I talked about the daily internal battle, and here's where I want to transition to. That daily internal battle that I cannot see in you, but I know it happens because it happens in me, it will eventually become visible. Now get this point, because this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, and then we're, we're going to be done. The daily internal battle will become visible, and it's going to come visible in a few different ways. 
the ways we like to talk about that I wanted to get to today is the fruit of the Spirit. And that is when we yield to the Spirit. When I yield to the Spirit, I'm going to display the character of Jesus, which is the fruit of the Spirit, that I hope to get to over some time in this lesson, this series. But I, today, we're, it's going to get ugly. And it's going to get really ugly for a little bit because I'm going to show you a picture of really our world, but sadly, many churches. And it's called the works of the flesh. Because if we struggle with this sanctification principle that we've been talking about, about yielding the Holy Spirit, if we don't even sense the promptings of the Holy Spirit, then that daily moment-by-moment battle that we have, we're even having a lot of Christians. We want to criticize our world. That's why I said this in our prayer. We want to criticize our world and say, our world is wicked. Our world, Yeah, it's all of that. But the church that's supposed to make the difference is just as wicked many times. And we can dress up our wickedness and sing about our wickedness but we see no revival. And so let's, let's get in the weeds a little bit because here is the outplay of the flesh. Eventually, and he's, only, he's gonna list 17 of these things. 17 of these things is what he's gonna list. But there's much more. It's just like he got tired finally and he's like, all right, I'm just gonna end with that. I'm gonna give you 17 is what he's basically saying. And you know what I found the number one thing from going from being a pastor to being in the work field is everybody thinks they're a Christian. Everybody says they're a Christian. I mean, I, I could probably, and because they're going to listen to this, I won't say it, but I could probably list um, six to ten people that I either work with or have worked with as far as a customer that tell me they're a Christian, but they would land on this list heavily. So I don't know their heart. Maybe they are. But if they are, they're not going to make a difference in our world today. If I'm on this list consistently, I'm not going to make a difference for our world today, and I'm not going to help you as a teacher. So it sounds a little difficult, but what I'm saying is this verse, verse 16, says if, I, if we, you and I just walk in the Spirit, we're not going to be on this list consistently, habitually on this list, because we're dealing with our sins and we're getting out of it. But if we really want to, in this part of our life, make a difference, and in this sanctification part of our life, Live to glorify God and everything. We've got to stay off this next list. But he says the works of the flesh are manifest. Well, they will be revealed if you yield to your flesh. And then he lists these works of the flesh. I put the definitions in your in your uh, notes. But notice what he says: the works of the flesh are these, and the first like four are all sexual sins. You say, oh, that didn't happen in the church. It's rampant in the church. Not, I'm not saying our church. I'm saying the church in general. How many pastors in the last two years have had to leave the ministry because of sexual sins? I mean, just if you follow the news at all, that's all they talk about. One big-name pastor, I won't name him, but he's in a Southern Baptist and just stepped down because of inappropriate text messages he was sending to women. Pastor, multi-thousands church. Had to step down. Getting mocked by everybody in the secular world. Why did he do that? Because he made a decision to send inappropriate messages when his flesh said do it. it I'm telling you, so I'm saying from, the, from pastors down to the janitors or whoever wants to say, it doesn't matter. We all are going to be tempted and we have to be careful. And his first few are sexual sins. He says adultery. He says it's, the work, it's going to be manifest, which is adultery. That's violating the marriage covenant by sexual immorality. I think we know what adultery is. 
But adultery is a work of the flesh. You say, ah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. You've got to be careful. In our society today, it's easy. Cell phones, social media, all the ways to communicate, you just, you've got to be careful. You just can't do it. Yes, buddy? You, well, we're going to get to the next word in a second, so I'll get to there. But you can with your mind, in a sense. You can. The Jesus said, "He that looketh on a woman and lusted after her committed adultery already in his heart." So if we look on a woman and lust after her, you're committing adultery on your future wife, if you want to look at it that way. But he's going to hit it with another word in a second. So we're going to get to the other word. But it's good, great question. So adultery, violating the marriage covenant by sexual immorality, and, and to say so, you've got to protect yourself. You've got to protect yourself around the opposite sex you just have to do it you you cannot you 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 get you can't put yourself in situations that's going to tempt your flesh your flesh has natural desires mm -hmm. and you cannot do it for women it's emotional the phys, uh, the physical is not as important it can be but the emotional part of it so a text message somebody listening to your problems somebody helping you all of that fills your love tank and causes you to commit adultery for the guys it can be the physical it can be all these different she's showing me respect and and he my husband doesn't show me respect all these things happen adultery happens rampant in the church today and it happens sometimes it's not even exposed yet and so violating the marriage covenant fornication is fornication he says next is it's sexual immorality in the broad sense it would be premarital sex it would be it would include adultery it would include prostitution fornication is a is the general word it includes everything it, it's it's like a broad word for any type of sexual sin but it, it's rampant in our society today our society is so i'm going to get frustrated today i don't know why but our our uh, but our society is so rampant on this because social media and everything it's just so easy to get to and so uncleanness uncleanness is the next one this is what i was talking to you that but uncleanness would be sexual sins that may not involve physical intercourse it would be pornography impure speech or joke things like that that would be uncleanness it's, it's so think about our pornography that's going on in our society today somebody said this if you want to watch the direction of where i remember what he was talking about this wasn't a pastor. This was a secular guy that was on a podcast, I think a Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was talking about he was talking about uh, virtual reality. That's what he was talking about. Because you know how these, uh, was it Oculus or something like that? And they were talking about that in stocks and investing. And he goes, if you want to see how that's going to go, he says, just to generally across the board, is watch how, it, how the pornography, if you can, if they can, they're billion dollar business pornography. And if they can get a good setup on it, you know it's going to take off in the stocks because everyone's going to be buying it. It's crazy. It's crazy. It happened. You'd be surprised how much that goes on in the church today. Uncleanness is that lasciviousness means it means ready to sin at any time. It's someone who flaunts their sin with no shame. And it's. It's someone that just can joke about it, laugh about it. They don't care. They may be good when they're here at the church or something if they come, but lasciviousness means it's ready to sin at any time. Someone who flaunts their sin. So I tell you what, those first four, and we got like 13 left, that's pretty bad already. But he's saying, here's what my point in today's lesson is. None of us, none of us are exempt from this happening. None of us are. So, 
idolatry. And this is the next one. Idolatry is the worship of any God beside our Lord God. It's, it violates one of the Ten Commandments, but idolatry can be putting uh, even boats or putting golf or putting sports or putting anything before God. I would say in high school, I put sports before God 100%. I was playing sports and and I uh, didn't, I mean, I, I, that was my focus. My focus wasn't developing my relationship with God, but, but idolatry was there. Now, witchcraft is an interesting one. Witchcraft, obviously, we know is the worshiping the occult. But you know the Greek word is, I can't pronounce it, so I put it in your notes there, pharm, pharmakia. Do you know that's where we get our word pharmacy? And I don't think if you take Tylenol, you're doing the wrong, but it would include drug use. Witchcraft includes drug use in its word and drug use is rampant in our society today no doubt it opens you up to the occult um, but witchcraft and drug use is listed in here even among churches when i had a, when i was in charge of a reformers unanimous in our church in michigan the lot of the people that came to the addictions program reformers unanimous were church people some came for things like anger and pornography and stuff like that which we've already talked about or we'll get to the anger one in a minute but a lot of them came for, uh, what is it, Vicodin, Oxycontin, uh, all these ones. They were, they were addicted to drugs that a doctor would give you, and they got addicted to it. They're taking six months' worth in a week or something or less, and they were addicted to it. And it, drugs has a grip on you, and, and you say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit and not to be drunk with wine. Don't be under the influence of anything else other than the Holy Spirit. We'll get to drunkenness in a minute. But he says, not only witchcraft, but hatred. It's an attitude of heart that expresses itself with outbursts of wrath and contentions. That just describes our society today in many ways as well. Variance means contentions are causing strife. If we are people that want to cause contentions, you're always cause, trying to cause strife. That's your flesh. But, you know, when we walk... If, if I can get to the fruit of the Spirit ever, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace not strife so if my if my life is lived to cause strife then our old english word is variance and very rarely do you hear someone say some of you are just so guilty of variance out there like what what did i do but we can be guilty of strife always, always have to have drama always got to cause a problem always got to stir stuff up we ought to be the people that try to bring peace we ought to be the ones, if we're walking in the Spirit, we want to reconcile and not divide. And this happens in churches a lot. That's why we see so many church splits. And you see 150 churches in one town, and they're like, oh yeah, that church used to be this church, but then they got mad and they left, and that church used to be this church. Well, that's a lot of variance. That's a lot of strife. That's a lot of contentions. And so he says uh, in variance and then emulations that is bitterness or jealousy do we ever see that today in our society bitterness and jealousy yeah i mean just watch a loved one die and there's money involved all of a sudden it is we got to have that money and there's fights and arguments and who i mean bitterness and in, in jealousy there's wrath that means sudden anger it's a lack of control of their emotions there's uh, and, and this is rampant today in our society as well. I'm going to use the word rampant about 150 times today, all right? Rampant, rampant, rampant. But it is. I mean, but why is it? Because we're seeing the world act like the world. We don't expect them because they have no restraint. They're not saved. But we're seeing Christians live in the flesh. And so this is, becomes part of it. And so, myself included, I don't for, for a second think that I'm not frustrated with myself as well. 
Then seditions, again, causing divisions is what that means. Heresies. Now, we may think heresies is false teaching, but this actually means, when I was studying the Greek word, it means being opinionated or hard-headed and stubborn. Man, some of us think that's a compliment. Some of us are like, hey, I'm just stubborn. I'll say that sometimes. Well, I'm just stubborn. Okay, well, you're just saying I'm in the flesh. So i got to stop saying that, all right? But I am. I can be stubborn at times. I mean, there's some t- sometimes... We, we can know that we need to do something that's right and not do it because we don't want to feel like, well, they got one up on us. Who cares? Peace, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves. Remember early on in a couple lessons ago, I said, we've got to, if we want to walk in the Spirit or if we want to have this journey of faith and see God work through us, we've got to humble ourselves and be no pride and say, Whatever's going on, God, I, I, I just I don't want this anymore. That's the opposite of this word, stubborn. We've got to be willing to say, hey, I'm wrong. And even if they go, ha, I knew it, I told you, and like, oh, that would go through me. But even if they do that, you did the right thing. You humbled yourself. He says not only uh, heresies, envies, that's bitter because someone else has something we don't. I like this. I wrote it in your notes. The ancient Stoics used to call this grief as someone else's good. So you're just grieved because someone else has something good and you don't have it. If you buy the new iPhone 14 in the next few weeks, I'm going to struggle with this one, all right? Because I don't need it. It's probably upgraded hardly anything, but just because it's new, I feel tempted to covet, but I won't. All right, murderers, I don't think I need to get into that too much. Drunkenness is intoxication. Revelings is unrestrained parting. Now that is a list of 17 nasty, ugly sins that every one of us would say, yeah, that's our world. But the sad thing is, that's also many times the church. Now, it's not like someone gets up on Sunday morning and says, hey, before we sing Amazing Grace, can I give a testimony of how I've lived in the flesh this week? Can I just tell, boy, I was guilty of this and this. No one wants to do that. But a lot of times we like to come to church to feel like we did our thing and to try. It's almost like it's our penance for the weak wrong that we've done. But that's not what God wants. God wants you here to worship Him and Monday through Saturday to walk in the Spirit. Everyday dependence. You're going to be tempted with this list and so am I. But this list is the outcome of when we get in the flesh and you cannot stay in the flesh in silent. It will eventually come out. And that's what this verse is saying. Hey, there's a battle internal, he says, but eventually, the flesh is going to be manifested. And when it's manifested, it, just, it it's destroys before it's manifested. But when it's manifested, it destroys others around you. Now, that was an ugly lesson, the one that I don't like. Hopefully, next week, I can get into the beautiful part of it. Because then he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is... The outcome of when we choose the Spirit. I just said that ugly verses. If I choose the flesh, ooh, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. But when we choose the Spirit, He's going to work the character of Jesus in us, and we'll see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, meekness, goodness. All of that is going to come. That's what I hope we see. So, are you looking at a person that never chooses the flesh? No. Chose the flesh this morning over a dog. That was me. I didn't murder, though, but I'm right there on the cuff. Okay, I'm right there on the cuff. I chose the flesh. But I got a feeling I'm kind of looking at some people, too, that struggle with their flesh. So we, what do we do? We humble ourselves. We confess it. 
and we walk in the Spirit every day because the flesh will only destroy. It will destroy homes, marriages, churches, lives. We need to get back to walking in the Spirit. Let's pray.